0: This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Avoid Probate with Jason Laidler. Heard every Sunday at 8 a.m. on Zoomer Radio. Welcome to the program with a unique focus on helping Canadians avoid probate. The one thing everyone should know about probate is that it's not inevitable. With some planning and good advice, you can avoid the exhausting, expensive and time-consuming probate process and have your affairs settled quickly and privately. Speaking of good advice, here are your hosts of Avoid Probate.
1: Good morning, Zoomer listeners. Jason Laidler here, the very first episode of the Avoid Probate Show. What a pleasure to be with you on this Sunday morning. Thank you for joining us. I wonder if you recognize some of that music that just played a few seconds ago, if you thought it kind of sounded like bagpipes. Well, well spotted because it kind of was bagpipes. They were actually something called electronic bagpipes. I could have brought the real things into the studio for you today, but they're a lot bigger and a lot louder. And um, I thought, well, I'll just bring the electronic ones in as a treat. They're very different. They're actually programmable and they're actually a Canadian invention, which is very cool. So enough about bagpipes for today. Oh, and the the name of that tune, in case you didn't recognize it, that was the Brown Haired Maiden. So moving on from that, uh, once again, it's a pleasure to be with you this morning. I'm here to talk to you about probate, all things related to probate. Uh, what it is, what it isn't, what you can do about it, how you can avoid it. The company is called avoidprobate.ca after all. I want to give you a little bit of background about myself before we kick things off. Um, back in 2001, I've been in this business, the uh, financial services business, for over 20 years now, which I find hard to believe. But back in 2001, I, I became what's called a certified financial advisor. Um, very proud of that designation, and then I was able to join the uh, membership organization in Canada called the Canadian Institute of Financial Planners because you have to be a certified financial planner to be part of that. And then I worked my way up to be on the board of directors of that organization, which was really fun because we got to travel across the country, uh, having the AGMs in a different part of the the country every year, just uh, so different members uh, from different provinces could attend. I also uh, then became something called a certified Senior advisor, and uh, recent years that designation has kind of blended into something else called uh, the CPCA, the Certified Professional Consultant on Aging. I'm also something called a Certified Executor Advisor, and lastly, the EPC designation is an Elder Planning Counselor. So that's that's a lot to chew on. The important point I want to make um, going forward is that I am what's called an independent advisor. So I've been helping clients for years now, and I'm not. What that means is I'm not tied to any one particular financial institution. Uh, I was once upon a time in a past life when I first joined the industry, where I was part of an institution where I was only able to provide that institution's solutions. So today I'm able to offer you know a much wider variety of solutions to my clients for their financial planning needs because I'm gonna you're gonna hear you're gonna hear me say this over and over again. Every situation is different. And uh, a good financial advisor, you know, takes the time to find out the, the ins and outs of, of every client's situation before he or she can make recommendations uh, for that for that particular case. But again, you know, we're focusing today on, on probate issues and uh, information. We're going to touch on a few other things. And I've got a special guest joining us in a few minutes. We'll talk about that as well. Um, I do want to do a shout out today to uh, all our Polish listeners out there because today happens to be Polish National Flag Day. So if you're Polish and if you have a Polish flag, I hope you're flying it with pride. I think I know what the Polish flag looks like. Um not quite sure about that, but maybe I'll see some later on in the day. I also should add... Um, A disclaimer before we get started, because I mentioned every situation is different. It's important um, you understand that the information provided in this program is for general consumption only and is not intended to provide particular legal or investment advice. You should always speak with a licensed expert if you have uh, questions or you have any intentions on making changes to your investment portfolio or your estate plan. My email is info at avoidprobate.ca. My toll-free office number is 1-844-667-7628, which also happens to be 1-844-NO-PROBE-8. You know, those little letters on the keys that you sometimes see on the phones. and I'm not sure if they're still there anymore or not, but they were. Um, yeah, 1-844-667-7628. This is not a live show, so when you have questions and you want uh, some help with anything, you can email the office or call in And during the week, during regular business hours, and uh, we'll do our best to get back to, to everybody. So the other thing I want to uh, just add, I know we're all tired of hearing about COVID. It's uh, a terrible situation for everybody, needless to say. Uh, it is interesting, actually. People are doing more estate planning because of COVID, uh, maybe for obvious reasons. I don't want to expand on that too much, but I just wanted to say this is going to be, for the most part, a COVID-free zone because I know we're all sick and tired of hearing about COVID and uh, myself included. So you can relax, hopefully. You're going to learn something today, I hope. You're going to learn something every time you tune in to this show, 8 o'clock Sunday morning here on AM 740. When we come back, we're going to have a short break right now. When we come back, I'm going to introduce our very first guest on the Avoid Probate Show, he is a, an estate lawyer in Toronto. I've had the pleasure of working with him uh, for quite some time. I will let him uh, tell you about his credentials and then we're gonna have a discussion about probate starting with what it is maybe and what it isn't and we'll go from there.
0: Learn more about avoiding probate at avoidprobate.ca or call 1-844-667-7628. Back with more Avoid Probate after this. (laughs) Good afternoon, friends. We are gathered here to remember Insert your name and we're heartbroken because Insert your name did not avoid probate. So the loved ones of Insert your name have to wait a long time for what rightfully is theirs. I see I've made you cry.
2: Recent changes in law make probate slower, more complicated, and more expensive. Don't make it harder for your loved ones. Avoidprobate.ca
0: this is Avoid Probate on Zuma Radio with Jason Laitler of avoidprobate.ca.
1: Welcome back to the Avoid Probate show, week one. Very exciting. If you're tuning in late, um, you need to set your alarm for 10 minutes earlier or however long it takes you to get your coffee and turn the radio on on Sunday morning at 8 a.m. Uh, it's my pleasure this morning to introduce uh, an esteemed colleague of mine who is an estate lawyer in Toronto. I will let him tell you about his uh, background and his practice. Good morning, Andrew Munro. Thank you for being here today. Thank you, Jason. It's a pleasure to be here. Many thanks for having me on. Yeah, well, I'm glad you're here. Uh, obviously, when people are talking about probate, I mean, this is the Avoid Probate show. Um, often, there are a lot of legal questions that are part of that. And I'm glad you're here today to steer us through those murky waters. Tell us a little bit about your background before we uh, dive in. So I was called to the bar in 1993, and I've been
3: practicing law in the city since that time. The first several years of my career, I practiced with a law firm downtown. And uh, close to 15 years ago now, a friend of mine and I, Christopher Clapperton, opened a law office focusing on estates and trusts. And the name of our office is Clapperton Monroe Law. We're located in the West End of Toronto, and uh, we regularly travel to see clients throughout the GTA and beyond.
1: You got years of practice, then helping people to a put their estates together, formulate them according to their all according to their own unique situation, and then b settle those estates upon the passing of somebody. Correct. Correct. I got a bunch of questions for you. I think the first one's going to be obvious, but I want to just ask you before we get to it, you know, the probate thing itself, I, I'm reluctant to use the term death tax, but I think, you know, it's one of those things if it quacks like a duck and walks like a duck. I know the province doesn't like the term death tax. I guess probably nobody does. Uh, what do you think? Is it, would you call? Can you call it a death tax? Or I know that's not the proper name for it, of course. What's your thought?
3: Well, the proper name for it is an estate administration tax, and that's what the ministry refers to it as.
1: But it is a tax uh, that is payable upon the estate of a deceased person.
3: Yes, it's a uh, tax that is uh, payable uh, based on the value of the deceased's
1: estate. Okay, so I didn't mean to interrupt you there, but I can say with confidence that the number one question i get anytime i'm anywhere talking to people about probate the number one question by far probably you get it too is what is probate we touched on it but you know can you expand a little bit more on on what it is why it's there how it works tell us what you think
3: sure so probate is the procedure through which the ontario superior court of justice formally appoints and authorizes a person to act as the executor or estate trustee of an individual's estate and it uh, confirms that the will is the deceased's last valid will and testament. Uh, The court issues an order which is called a certificate of appointment of a state trustee either with a will or without a will depending if the person uh, passed away with or without a will And the certificate of appointment is obtained through a procedure called an application. So the certificate is the document that gives the executor legal authority to act on behalf of the deceased and administer their estate in accordance with the terms of the will. And the application is brought in the jurisdiction where the deceased resided when they passed away.
1: Okay, that's a lot to chew on right there. And uh, obviously, I've got some follow up questions. You mentioned that it's a process that validates the will. I can probably, uh, with confidence, tell you the number two question I get from people talking about when I'm talking about probate is Do I have to deal with probate if I have a will? Does having a will get one out of the probate process?
3: Not necessarily. You can have more than one will. Sometimes it's appropriate to have a primary and a secondary will. Uh, And in that case, normally the primary will is probated and the secondary will is not probated. But
1: most people, correct me if I'm wrong, most people just have one will. If they have a will at all, they usually just have one, right? Quite often. And what I'm saying is these people are coming up to me and they're saying, I don't need to worry about probate, Jason, because I have a will. And I am telling them one has nothing to do with the other.
3: Right. So um, whether or not probate is required really depends on uh, the person's assets and how they're held.
1: That's what I was saying. I mean, these people who think it's that simple to to get out of paying their pound of flesh to the province, it's not as simple as just having a will done. You can have a will or two, to your other point. You can have well, no, you're right, because you said the second will, the purpose of that is to avoid probate. But if you have a will, you may well still need to go through the probate process. And I want to talk about the probate process a little bit, because, as you know, back in 2015, the probate rules in Ontario changed. And that, by the way, was the impetus for uh, the start of avoidprobate.ca. I saw these changes coming down the pipe, and I thought, holy cow, this is this is a big deal, these changes are they were drastic and this is gonna affect well, I don't know a million people in the province. And I was shocked on January first, twenty fifteen, that it wasn't front page news on every newspaper when these new rules took effect. So it's safe to say, you know, the province didn't make the process any more fun for anybody to go through. They closed what some people would call some loopholes that were preexisting. We'll we'll expand on these Details later on, maybe even in a different show. But they introduced new filing requirements. Uh, I think it's ninety nine fifty five, the estate information return. It's a seven page document that is a government document. That's a bit of a bear and would intimidate most people. They introduced uh, deadlines. They introduced penalties. And like I said, they they closed the gap on some assets that they saw were slipping through the cracks before because there wasn't necessarily a paper trail on some of these assets, but now uh, the person settling the estate has to be so much more thorough. There's so much liability involved. So I guess what I'm getting at is and I'm going to talk about what what the new process looks like. So uh, I'm going to use the term granny. I I say it with love. It's a term of endearment. I had a Scottish granny. I hope nobody's offended by that term. So granny passes away and... uh, adult son or daughter is in charge of settling granny's estate maybe they're in charge together what happens tell us a little bit about that process
3: right so um with the uh, previously the executor if they were uh, competent enough to do so would prepare a uh, an application for a certificate of appointment of a state trustee uh, if if uh, the grandmother had a will, then it would be an application for a certificate of appointment of a state trustee of the will.
1: Okay, hold on. Let me interrupt you. The executor completes this application themselves. So so th- myself, the 50-year-old adult child of gran- – uh, sorry, grandchild of granny, it's my responsibility to complete this? It's the estate trustee's
3: responsibility. If they feel that they can do it themselves, then they can do it themselves. However, it's an application that's submitted to the court. So uh, uh, if you're not entirely comfortable with the procedure, then you would be uh, well served to seek legal advice in uh, in putting that application together.
1: And I think it's safe to say that most people are would not be comfortable uh, in that sort of situation, making applications to the court, unless you're... In the business, so to speak. I would agree. It's got to be very intimidating. Most people wouldn't even know where to start, right? I would agree. And and the
3: courts, um, there are rules that, that you have to follow. And uh, if you don't follow them, uh, your application will not go through uh, the first time. So, um, under it, the... Is, sorry, is there a time limit for filing this application? Typically, it's done uh, within the first few months after the person
1: passes away. And it's the job of the estate trustee to do that. And my follow-up to that is, like, literally, you know, where does that person take the document?
3: What is the process? Well, the application uh, is, consists of several documents, uh, including the original will. And the application uh, is submitted to the court... In the jurisdiction where the person resided. So if the person resided in Toronto, the application would be submitted to the Toronto Estates Court.
1: So that's a physical building on University Avenue or something like that? That's right. And you walk in and you go to the clerk and you say, I'm submitting these documents. And
3: you file your application. Okay. And then in Toronto, currently, it's taking approximately six months to process the applications. So I'm
1: glad you mentioned that because I wanted to check with you. I'm assuming that because of COVID and the related court closures, that that uh, processing time has been extended. Like it now takes; it's more backed up than it was before.
3: It was, but they seem to have caught up a little bit. Oh, um, now um, if if you reside in, say, Aurora. And then you're going to file your application with the New Market Court. And their Estates Department is not nearly as busy as the Toronto Estates Court, so they tend to process applications quicker.
1: I assume it's probably not nearly as large either, so that's got to play a role in terms of staffing and things like that within the estate Department itself. It's got to, it's, There's a manual, there's a human being processing these documents. That's right. And... The new state information return is not yet required. Maybe I should just let you finish where you left off because it's not a state information return, which I think is really ugly. Uh, It's it's only one of the ugly parts of the process, but it's one of the new ones uh, that took effect in 2015. So the, the documents are filed. We wait for somebody to process it, and then what happens next?
3: So providing that all your documents are in order then the court will issue what's called a certificate of appointment of a state trustee with a will if the person had a will. And if they didn't have a will uh, and they passed away intestate, then the court will issue a certificate of appointment of a state trustee without a will. So it's important to know that prior to the estate information returns, the value of the estate would be um, set out in the application And the amount of estate administration tax payable would depend on the value of the estate. Back then, there was no reporting to the ministry, and there was really no watchdog on what people were reporting.
1: And that's what I was touching on earlier when I said they closed a bunch of loopholes. And, And so
3: since they brought in the estate information return, then in that document, you report to the ministry uh, you report the value of the estate to the ministry. And the, the amount that's reported to the court on your application should match the same figure as the amount that's reported to the ministry.
1: Right. So we're, we're reporting twice. Once to the court with the application. And then once again, once we've been made the trustee, we were reporting a second time, but this time to the ministry correct the minister the minister of finance that's right and those numbers need to be close to each other or else there's going to be red flags well they should match they it's should the same match. it's the same assets in the same estate well it is except in the case which must happen all the time i filed my application i'm waiting for the certificate to that makes me that declares me the trustee that appoints you that appoints a state me trustee. as the trustee, and in the meantime, I found out there's another bank account here. I found out there's a diamond collection worth X number of dollars. I found out there's a safety deposit box somewhere. So now, you know the math isn't the same as what it was when I filed the application.
3: Right. So in case in the situation where you discover assets after you're appointed, uh, you can set that out in and then an affidavit and um, file that with your estate information return. And you'll have to pay the estate administration tax on that added value.
1: Yeah, we should talk about what that tax is. Um, basically, and I know the province is uh, making adjustments to the minimum amount that's going to be probated in an estate. It was 50000 I know there's a proposal to make that change. I'm not sure if that's taking effect yet or not. But in any case, the rate is one and a half percent, correct?
3: Well, it's $15 per thousand.
1: I think that's one and a half percent.
3: If your math is correct. So
1: (laughs) it's early in the morning. I'm not sure how correct it is, but uh, about $15,000 per million, rough math. And I'm here to tell you that I have had clients who say to me, well, okay, it's not so bad, 15 grand per million, but uh, to which I respond, yeah, okay, fair enough. But it's not just about the fifteen grand. it's about this process that we're talking about and the, the length of time that's involved in, in dealing with this process and possibly the fees associated with the, any lawyers who are on the case. And, and if accounts are frozen by the bank for six months or longer, all of this can add to frustration. It, it could be a lot of work. It could be stressful. It, it can take a, a long time. It can... You know, it's it's the process itself that we want to avoid as much as we can, and that's what we're trying to do at avoidprobate.ca. Sometimes we can avoid all of it. Sometimes we can avoid none of it. Most of the time, we are able to avoid a good percentage of it. And my position is, if you can avoid any of it, you're crazy not to do that. I think right now we're going to take a quick break. We'll come back with Andrew Monroe and uh, continue the discussion. Thank you.
0: Learn more about avoiding probate at avoidprobate.ca or call 1-844-667-7628. Back with more Avoid Probate after this. My name is Marilyn, and I avoided probate.
2: Our story begins when Marilyn paid a visit to her mom's bank. She noticed something odd. She had 100% of her money tied up in GICs, making 1%. It wasn't enough to sustain her. She was dipping into her capital big time. Marilyn wanted to disperse the money for her mom's needs as she ages. She had acquired power of attorney. No, you can't do anything with her accounts. They're in her name. And that was that. I was overwhelmed by everything. I didn't know what to do. That's when Jason from avoidprobate.ca stepped in.
1: There was a sense of urgency because Marilyn's mother is no spring chicken. This process takes time and I didn't know how much time we had.
2: He walked me through what I should do when I went to the bank, what I should say to them. Not only that, Jason went with Marilyn to
1: the bank. They weren't happy that I was sitting across the table from them in the office and they knew that we were trying to move this money. But I knew that we had a right to do that and it was the right thing to do. Persistence paid off and we got the transfer done in time. So many seniors have these GICs at the bank. They will be probated. They will be frozen. They're paying next to nothing, and they're locked in with maturity dates. It drives me crazy. I don't understand why anybody buys these things. There are much better options out there, and sometimes we can do this transfer at no cost to the account holder. Should you
2: get in touch with avoidprobate.ca?
1: Anybody who has non-registered accounts at the bank needs to look into the services we provide at avoidprobate.ca because by definition, you can't put a beneficiary on a non-registered account at the bank. You can put a beneficiary on a non-registered account at an insurance company. The rules are different. I felt that the banks thought I was a thief, but Jason made me feel
2: so much better. I know we've done the right thing.
1: Call us at avoidprobate.ca on the toll-free number, but call us before your mom or dad passes away. That's when we can help you.
2: Have the conversation with your parents and avoid probate like Marilyn did with avoidprobate.ca. Call 1-844-667-7628.
0: This is Avoid Probate on Zuma Radio with Jason Laidler of
1: avoidprobate.ca. Welcome back to the first episode of the Avoid Probate show. I'm Jason Laidler, owner and operator of avoidprobate.ca, sitting here with my friend and colleague, Andrew Monroe. We were in the process of talking about the process of uh, probate and going through that Uh, process to settle the estate of a deceased person in Ontario, and we were highlighting some of the changes that took effect since the the ministry changed the rules back in 2015. I'm still amazed, you know, that uh, it wasn't or that it's not something that's more widely discussed since it affects so many people in the province of Ontario. By the way, probate is in every province in Canada, except, of course, Quebec, and Ontario's rates happen to be the highest. Um, Andrew, you know, we left off with, uh, we've submitted the certificate of application, we've received the, the certificate of appointment, now there is a new deadline imposed to submit the estate information in return, if I'm not wrong.
3: Well, that's right. So, once the certificate of appointment is issued by the court, the estate trustee has 180 calendar days.
1: Calendar days.
3: Calendar days to to file the estate information return.
1: And I want to talk about that uh, estate information return for a second because I've seen it and I can't emphasize enough how onerous uh, the completion of this form might be depending on your relationship with the deceased person and how well you knew that person. Because, you know, tell us, Andrew, like what are some of the details that are required to complete this form?
3: Right. So that's a really good question, Jason. Um, It is an onerous form to complete and file. Uh, The form asks for information such as um, account numbers, the value of the account as of the date of death, the name of the financial advisor, where the account is held, contact information for the financial advisor, so those are some of the things that are you're required to report,
1: right? And that could be very difficult for people who just don't have that information, and you're on a goose chase sort of, you know, trying to get this stuff uh, filled because you're on a you're on a deadline.
3: Well, it, c- it can be a lot of legwork.
1: A lot of legwork. You are on a deadline with penalties that uh, can be levied if you don't file it on time. Now, what happens in the case where you've done your best, you've filed? that 9955 estate information return and once again you discover oh there was a safety deposit box uh you know at the bank with the $10,000 cash or a bunch of bonds or you know you find other assets an insurance policy something like that shows up you've already filed the estate information return what are you going to do
3: right that's a really good question as well so in the case where you discover further assets after you've filed the estate information return, you have 60 calendar days um, after you discover those assets to file an amended return.
1: And that's that's a thing on its own. There's such a form called an amended estate information return, or is it another affidavit, or is it just a letter of direction that somebody writes and submits on the back of a napkin? Or? Right, so there's a box that you tick off
3: on the estate information return that says it's an amended oh, return. okay. Does it cost anything
1: to resubmit that? Is there a fee to just, file it? Just
3: the uh, tax payable on the added value of the assets that were I u- see. newly discovered.
1: That amount of money, I mean, it's not coming out of the estate trustee's pocket, right? It's coming out of the estate value of the deceased person. It's paid
3: by the estate to the Minister of Finance,
1: to nice. the province. To the province. That's their pound of flesh. Hopefully there is enough cash or liquid assets in the estate. And what if there isn't enough value in the estate to pay it? Then what happens?
3: Well, if there isn't enough money in the, state, in the estate to meet its financial obligations, then seemingly it would be insolvent.
1: But just to be clear, that's not a problem for the estate trustee slash executor.
3: Not per se, They're, they are uh, the debts of the estate.
1: Yeah, but I don't have to put my hand in my pocket to cover those debts on behalf of the deceased person.
3: That's a great question. So one of the duties of an estate trustee is that you have to publish a notice to creditors. So if the estate trustee does not publish notice to creditors and creditors come come out of the woodwork down the road then, yeah, that could be problematic for the estate trustee.
1: I've drawn a conclusion, and that is uh, you do not want to be an executor in Ontario, if you can help it. You know, it just sounds like...
3: It's a very onerous
1: job. It's a very onerous job.
3: Anyone who's been through it will have a a good appreciation of what's involved and, and how onerous it is.
1: Now, you don't have to be acting as the estate trustee just because... The will says so. Can we talk about that for a second? I mean, it is, it's, it's not like the duty's forced on you, right?
3: Well, that's right. So, quite often, and uh, certainly more often than not, uh, more than one estate trustee is named in a will. You will have the primary estate trustee, and if they are unwilling or unable to act, you'll have an alternate. And quite often, you'll have a second alternate as well.
1: And we can have multiples. That's right. You can have more than one person act as a state trustee. You can name all three of your adult children, for example. You could. When I'm dealing with new clients and uh, doing some fact-finding, often I'll ask the question, are you named as an estate trustee in anybody's will as far as you know? Because quite often people don't take the time or think to notify the person that they've listed in the will as the estate trustee, and now it's a surprise, and you're in a tough spot, maybe.
3: Right. So before um, before you give instructions to your legal counsel when they're drafting a will, um, it's always advisable to speak with your uh, pr- the proposed executors just to clear it with them that they're they're um, comfortable with taking on the job before you formally name them.
1: Andrew, I've got uh, personal experience or professional experience, I should say, with clients who have had um, some smaller amounts of money, I would would call smaller, under $50,000 at the bank. One case in particular, it was $38,000 and I won't name the bank, but the banker said to my client, sorry, the threshold for us with regard to probate is $30,000 and your mom had $38,000 in the account.
3: So they required probate. So
1: they required my client to go through the probate process for the extra $8,000, which needless to say was very frustrating because there was a bunch of other money in the estate that we didn't have to probate because we went through avoidprobate.ca. But you know, let's talk for a minute about what the bank can say or can't say and when that happens.
3: Right. So when individuals pass away and they have an account or accounts with a bank with smaller uh, sums, Uh, In those accounts, it's up to the bank to decide whether or not they're going to require the trustee to to obtain probate. Uh, Quite often, um, if they're smaller amounts, and again, it's within the discretion of the financial institution, uh, they won't require probate, and they'll just take an indemnity and, and release the funds.
1: What's the indemnity look like? Can you explain that a little bit?
3: So the indemnity is a document that essentially... Provide some peace to the financial financial institution. So uh, if there's a problem down the road and they've released the funds uh, to the wrong person, <laughs> but uh, the person who is uh, representing themselves as the one with the legal authority to receive the funds, uh, they'll be obligated to repay those monies.
1: Okay. Well, hopefully that doesn't happen very often. Um, once again, lots to chew on there, but uh, we're going to take a break. And uh, come back. Hope you can stay for a few more minutes. We're going to head into the stretch here. Uh, It's Jason Laidler, and you're listening to the Avoid Probate Show. Learn
0: more about avoiding probate at avoidprobate.ca or call 1-844-667-7628. Back with more Avoid Probate after this. This is Avoid Probate on Zuma Radio with Jason Laidler of avoidprobate.ca.
1: Welcome back to the Avoid Probate Show premiere on AM740. I'm Jason Laidler sitting with Andrew Monroe. Uh, I've said this a couple times. We've, we've shared a lot of information and given the listeners a lot to chew on, Andrew. I don't want to uh, do a sensory overload thing today. So I'd like maybe if you could just do a quick summary of, of the main points that we covered. And then I've got a couple other uh, things to share with our audience.
3: Right, so just to summarize, um, it's important for the listeners to understand that probate is the procedure through which the Ontario Superior Court of Justice formally appoints a person to act as the executor or estate trustee of an individual's estate. And it also confirms that the will is the deceased's last uh, valid will and testament. So that is done through the process of submitting an application which consists of several documents and, and the application is submitted to the court uh, where the deceased last resided. So when probate is issued, what it really is, is the court issues an order, which is called a certificate of appointment of a state trustee, either with a will, if the person passed away with a will or without a will, if they passed away without a will or intestate. And that is the document, that certificate of appointment is the document that the financial institution wants to see because they will then be satisfied that the estate trustee has the legal authority to deal with that person's assets. Similarly, if there's a piece of property, namely real estate, that has to be sold, uh, the uh, estate trustee will need the certificate of appointment to to sell that property
1: like selling the cottage for example correct which is sort of interrupt you but it's a whole other topic of financial planning and cottage planning and we might cover that on another show but not today
3: sure well and and you have to bear in mind that the certificate of appointment is is that court order that enables the estate trustee to deal with all the assets of the estate
1: Okay. Well, I hope uh, our listeners are a little smarter now. I'm sure they are. I just want to repeat that uh, it's important for you to understand the information provided in this program is for general consumption only. It's not intended to provide particular legal or investment advice. Every situation is different. And so if you have legal or investment questions, you should speak with a licensed expert. Well, of course, you can contact myself or Andrew Munro. My email once again is info at avoidprobate.ca My toll-free office number is 1-844-667-7628 which again uh, spells one no probe 8 Andrew, how can our Zoomer audience reach you if they have any specific legal questions with regard to getting their estates organized?
3: So they can reach me by email at amunro, that's M-U-N-R-O a. Monroe at cmlaw.ca. And if they wish to contact me at my office, they can call me at 416-443-1200.
1: This has been very informative to say the least, but as you know, we've really just scratched the surface of the subject of probate and uh, other related matters like power of attorney, joint accounts, what is probated, what is not probated, which assets fall under which category. Uh, I wonder, would you be kind enough to join us again next week and maybe pick up where we left off?
3: I would love to. Thank you.
1: Okay, that's fantastic. So I want to switch lanes uh, for a few minutes and talk about a couple other things. The um, federal budget came out recently, and there is one item in particular relating to seniors that's good news. There's a couple things that are good news. One that affects everybody, I guess, is that there were no... Uh, income tax increases. So that's good news. The other thing I wanted to point out to our uh, listeners is, um, well, ca- we're calling it the biggest, baddest budget ever because it was so big and so expensive. Part of that cost includes a, a one-time payment of $500 of old age security pensions pensioners who are 75 or older as of June 2022. So an extra 500 bucks coming your way if you are in that category, age 75 or older, as of June 2022. It also proposes to introduce legislation to increase regular old age security payments by 10% on an ongoing basis as of July 2022. So you're getting a raise. I know $500 isn't probably going to change your life, but if you're looking for something to do with it, you can always put it into your TFSA. If you're 75, you don't have an RSP anymore. By definition, you had to riff it at age 71. You might've riffed it before that. 71 was the deadline, but you do have lifetime TFSA contribution. That's a tax-free savings account. And every year, every calendar year, the room in that account grows. It's uh, cumulative. It's not use it or lose it. It just accumulates over time. And so as of uh, 2021, Uh, There was an extra $6,000 of room created in your TFSA, even if you've never put a dollar in. And if you have never put a dollar in, I believe the lifetime maximum that's accumulated since the TFSA was introduced for 2021, your maximum contribution would be $75,500. So it's getting up there. It's becoming a significant uh, planning tool. And of course, the advantage of the TFSA is that you don't pay tax, on any growth that occurs within the TFSA. You know, the RSP was different. I get this question a lot. Should I make an RSP contribution or should I make a TFSA contribution? Well, it entirely depends. I mean, like I said, if you're over the age of 71, it's not an issue. You cannot make an RSP contribution. But if you're not over the age of 71, uh, I can't go into all the ins and outs of it today, but it often depends on whether or not the tax deduction that the RSP creates is of any value to you. I mean, believe it or not, some people don't need a tax deduction. Some people would give their left arm for a tax deduction. It depends on, on every situation. So that's a little bit um, for you to think about with regard to uh, recent budget highlight. And by the way, the old age security pension benefit, I mean, if you you may know this already if you're a high income earner, and there are plenty of high income earners in their 70s. And this is the benefit that begins to get clawed back at a certain income level. And in 2021, the clawback starts. It is a high income level to begin with. It's $79,000 roughly. Can't remember what the pennies are. But at $79,000 of income, the government begins to claw back your old age pension benefit. And it's there's a formula to determine how much is clawed back, for every extra dollar you earn above that and it goes up to a maximum of approximately $128,000. So if you're, if you're 75 and you're making over $128,000, I don't think you're going to get this 500 bucks because your entire old age security pension benefit is clawed back at that point. But that's a good problem to have when you're making that kind of money into your 70s or 80s. And that happens with a lot of business owners who, who are still on the payroll for example, or it could be from investment assets. There's all kinds of reasons. Um, You might be semi-retired. Any other uh, changes in government legislation or things like that, I'm happy to bring them to your attention. I mean, it is the Avoid Probate Show. What we didn't cover today was what some of the solutions look like. Stay tuned for future shows to hear about some of these solutions. Today Today was just sort of laying the groundwork for you and giving you a better understanding of of what the probate process is because it's certainly um, widely misunderstood, especially uh, if you haven't been through it before. And uh, lots of people are in that situation. Um, I do want to invite you to visit the website. I want to give a shout-out to my friends at Tree Frog and New Market, Sean and his awesome digital team that are there who recently uh, revamped the avoidprobate.ca website. That is the uh, website address, avoidprobate.ca. And I invite you to go there and check it out. There's lots of great information and some reference material. And there is a free probate calculator tool on the website. So you can play with the numbers and get an idea maybe of what uh, the probate costs might be uh, for your own situation.
0: Learn more about avoiding probate at avoidprobate.ca or call 1-844-667-7628. Back with more Avoid Probate after this. (laughs) Good afternoon, friends. We are gathered here to remember Insert your name and we're heartbroken because Insert your name did not avoid probate. So the loved ones of Insert your name have to wait a long time for what rightfully is theirs. I see I've made you cry.
2: Recent changes in law make probate slower, more complicated, and more expensive. Don't make it harder for your loved ones. Avoid probate.ca
0: This is Avoid Probate on Zoomer Radio with Jason Laidler of
1: avoidprobate.ca. So that's it. The first episode of the Avoid Probate Show is a done deal. I want to thank you all for your attention today. I hope it was interesting for you and that you'll be back again to join us next week to learn about some of these solutions and other things that we didn't get to today. I want to thank Andrew Monroe again for being here today and helping us out. And encourage you to check out his website at CM Law. That's CM is in Mary Law.ca. As well as I got to thank Frank, our awesome producer, for helping us get through the premiere episode of the Avoid Probate Show. I'm Jason Laidler. Have a great Sunday.
0: been listening to an exclusive podcast of Avoid Probate with Jason Laidler, heard every Sunday at 8 a.m. on Zoomer Radio. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.